So, you want to be a contractor. Ever wonder what it takes to become a contractor? The journey they go on to get where they are now, or the crazy things they see and hear on the job site? Well, you're in the right spot. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Contractor, the podcast. Join your host, Mike Fisher, as he talks to owners of construction companies from all over about how they got started, how they run their business, and some of the craziest stories they've experienced on their job sites. And now, your host, Mike Fisher. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Contractor. This is episode number three here today. My guest is uh, Sonny Panero, CEO of Panero Construction. How are you doing, sir? Good. Thanks for having me on, man. Awesome. No, thanks for thanks for joining me here. Appreciate it. Congrats on the uh, uh, new podcast and uh, new job and all the stuff you got going on, yeah, brother. Yes, yeah, all the changes, right? Yeah, no, it was. Uh, yeah, the, the the change in job was 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 nice, and it was and it's awesome for my clients. They've they've loved it. Um, but the uh, the change in podcast was unexpected. Had a little little hiccup there from an ownership standpoint, but nonetheless, we are we're back and we're here. Well, episode three, man. Let's get it rolling. Yeah, appreciate you, man. Um, so give us your history. I want to know your story. How did you get into this industry? How did you, uh, get to where you are today? Oh man, it's a long story. Um, but, uh, you know, my parents, my parents were in the industry, right? So my dad was a drywall framing contractor when I was growing up as a kid. Uh, my mom did drafting and, and permitting for a couple different pool companies here in San Diego. Um, you know, all while growing up, they didn't want, uh, you know, they didn't want their kids to get into the same industry as them. You know, they try to push us off to college, things like that. And, um, I started going that route, worked at a grocery store for, uh, you know, high school, things like that. And then I went to college, um, wanted to go into, uh, engineering. And then I realized I didn't like, uh, physics and chemistry. And, uh, then I did architecture and, um, you know, realized I didn't like math. And so ended up uh, doing construction <laughs> management. And then uh, when I finished that, I, I said, dad, can I just come to work for you? So that's how I got into construction, man. It's, uh, it's been, uh, it's been pretty much all my life, you know, from. Which is kind of ironic because you kind of need a little bit of math and physics and all those kind of things. Yeah. But you can cheat. You can Where, use a tape measure. Yeah. You, you'd be amazed <laughs> on, you'd be amazed how these tradesmen, like they don't realize you know, how hard it is to figure out some of the dimensions that they do using the tools that they have, you know, angles, and, right. um, you know, some crazy cuts and, you know, how to, util how to utilize the tape measure and, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Find a way to make it work, right? Yeah, for sure. So is Panera Construction, is that your, is it your dad's company or did you start something new or how, how did the, uh, no, my parents owned a company called Northwest Commercial Construction up in Seattle. Okay. Um, when I was in high school and college and, uh, I, I quit college, went to work for them and, uh, helped them build that up. But, you know, it's, uh, unfortunately they didn't get along too well having to work in the high stress environment of a, you know, contracting company. And my mom did the books, my dad did the field. Um, and one thing that I was able to do is I was always able to to bridge the gap. So I was good at the office work, the computers estimating that I was also good at the field. Right. So, so when, uh, when they got a divorce, when I was about 25, neither of them sort of had a path forward with a company. And so I ended up going out on my own. Um, my mom actually asked me to, to work for her and I asked her for a dollar raise at the time. And uh, she said no, so that was that was the determining factor for me going <laughs> She's out. She's definitely own. running the books there, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, guys just uh, think it's easy, you know, starting a contracting company and and get rolling on it, right? Yeah. So, so what year did you start? How long have you guys been in business now? 
Um, so Panero Construction's officially been in business since 2015. Uh, I had my first company when I was 25 through about two, uh, 2009 to 2010 for about three years there. Um, you know, I was, I was, uh, really young, didn't have, a you know, my, my group of mentors or, you know, consultants to help me out at that point in time. I was just kind of, you know, running blind as a, as a young kid, you know, building their company, spending money as fast as I could and, uh, getting as many projects as I could. And then, you know, it all went away really quickly. So you you know, on the way to pay a bill when it came in. Yeah. 2000, 2009, 2010, the downturn. So that hit me just as hard as, you know, anyone else. Um, so I effectively had to start over at that point in time, but then I went and consulted, did some sales, uh, you know, helped with some, uh, HVAC and solar company for a while. Um, you know, and then finally I was just like, you know, and I, I just needed to try it one more time. And so, um, you know, part of, part of being, a in construction, um, I was always successful at doing the sales, you know, helping build the businesses. Um, but while I worked other places, it always, there was always something holding us back. You know, the business owner wouldn't let me help hire the superintendents, but I'd help go get all the work for them. Right. And so there was just always something that held us back. And so I decided that, you know, I, to realize what I want to accomplish, I have to be the one that is the last person to make the decision because I'm yeah, willing, I'm willing to take that risk. Right. Right. Um, so that was sort of, you know, why I decided to go back out on my own in 2015 was there are things that we can do and a team I can build. Um, and the things that I want to be able to accomplish as a company, I had to be able to have no one in front of me to, to make, um, or to hold us back, if that makes sense. Right. And there's a lot yeah, of no, business sure. owners that hold themselves back, not necessarily because they're not capable, it's just because they're not willing to, to take the risk or, you know, hire someone smarter than them or. Well, and in uncomfortability too, right? A lot of it comes from just being comfortable where you're at and what you're doing. And, and uh, yeah, part of it's risk, but also, you know, there, there's, there's a level of uncomfort that comes with change and, and, uh, especially if it's new change, right? Something that nobody else has done before that, um, maybe, you know, is, is a new idea out there. No, you're so having done it twice. Yeah, go ahead. No, you're, no, I, you're absolutely right. So being uncomfortable, like everyone, everyone, our nature is to, to try to be more comfortable, right? But that's right. not where growth happens. Growth only happens in being uncomfortable and doing the work. And so it's certainly challenging after six years of what we've been doing now, because we were on the Inc. 5000 list, you know, every year we've been growing every year, our project sizes get bigger and bigger. And so it's a, it's a constant state of like, you know, not knowing, you know, uh, what's what, next and what's next necessarily how to do this. But once you've done it once, you are now an expert at it. You know, right. that's one thing that's nice is once you've done this type of project, you, you know, more than anyone else who hasn't done that project now that you've completed right. it. Right. And so that's kind of one. Well, and, and you're almost raising that floor every time you do it. Right. So if, if you, you take that leap and you, and you get to an uncomfortable place doing a job, maybe you haven't done before a little bigger, a little, little bit more complex scope, whatever it is that becomes your floor now. Right. And now that's, and instead of being comfortable at that level, it's, it's okay. What's next. Right. And that's the mentality. No, that it takes absolutely. To, uh, you know, someone there. starting out, is going to be doing, you know, whatever they were familiar with, but then if they say yes to something, it's scary and sometimes it's difficult. And sometimes you'll do a, you know, a bad job at that. 
Right. But you'll learn, right? Like, but you still learn. Yeah, even doing a bad job, learn. you learn. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So having done it twice now, what what are some things that you did the second time around that that really kind of led to, uh, you know, a little bit being a little bit more successful and 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 being able to sustain? Well, I've adopted. Are there a couple of things. Yeah. So, you know, I've thought about it recently because a lot of people have been asking me. Um, it's really understanding leverage. Um, you know, strategically. So when I was, uh, 25, 26, when I started my first company, I went from making 20 bucks an hour to making a hundred plus, you know, being a business owner, because we had, you know, went out and built, you know, some business and, and you can make a lot more money being the business owner. Um, the problem is, is I would then spend it. Right. So I had the lifted truck, the big tires, the nicer house. Um, but that didn't give me any leverage to then grow. And so, um, the other thing I didn't have at that time was I didn't have my mentors. I didn't have my advisory staff. I didn't have consultants. Right. Um, you know, I was just kind of just winging it the best I could and, and riding the market. Right. Um, so 2015 rolled around, you know, and the first thing I did was, you know, got my CPA in line. So I've had my CPA on retainer since the day I started. Um, my attorney, um, my, um, insurance broker, uh, my banker, you know, these are all people, uh, you know, your financial advisor, these are all people that, um, are paid consultants basically, you know, and then I also went out and got a mentor. And so that was someone in the industry that I can ask questions to learn from. Um, and so I don't, make those mistakes or I'm not necessarily going through these by myself. And so building the relationship, um, with those five or six people or having them in your corner allows you to make smarter decisions, um, allows you to ask questions, allows you to do things right, have the right, you know, contracts in place so you can get paid, um, make sure that you're paying your taxes so you don't get, you know, hit up by the IRS, right. you know, after the fact. Um, and then. The other side of leverage is I didn't pay myself. So, I mean, I, I paid myself a, a small salary, right? But I didn't pay myself more just because I now was the owner of a company. I was a shareholder of a company and I was an employee within the, within the, within the company and that's how I treated it. So I paid right. myself 65 grand a year for five years, the first, you know, the first five of Panero because every time we grew or were able to uh, build up enough capital capital to reinvest it, I would hire an employee. So to be able to hire people, you have to have the capital to be able to do that. Right. For you to be able to take on a new project or a bigger project, you have to have the capital to do that. So if I was spending it all on toys and a fifth wheel and going to the desert, you know, things that I'm kind of doing now a little bit more, right. um, yeah. then I wouldn't have been able to, to multiply the people who are actually producing for the company, right? right. And so right. within a short amount of time, you know, I had my, my key accounting person in place. I had my key project coordinators in place, um, my key estimator in place, my superintendents in place. So I had a whole team that was pretty much making the same amount as me, if not more. But what that did was that provided leverage so that we can actually go out and accomplish more work. And, you know, the more people you have producing within your company, the more money, you know, the more scalable, the more sustainable that right. you're going to be. If, if it's just you and a couple guys is you're just going to be going in waves based on where you yeah, put your effort. You're, you're capped. Yeah. yeah. And so, I love what you said there too. When you said that 
the, the mentality was that you were an employee and a shareholder of a company, right? Because as a, as an employee or even, you know, when you're paying yourself, there's only so much you can pay yourself, right? Especially when, when the work is limited because you don't have a team to go out there and get more business and do bigger projects. But as a shareholder, your, your, your mentality is that you want that or your incentive is for the company to grow, right? So whether you work for the company or not, if you own shares in the company, you want that company to grow. So if that's the mentality that you take as an owner is that you're just an employee and a shareholder, then ultimately the, the real incentive is to grow. And that's where the real wealth and, and freedom comes from is, you know, having ownership in that company that's growing. And I, I think that's a mentality that, like you said, a lot of guys are missing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, and, and, and what that means, like just in, in layman's terms is that if I was a carpenter, I paid myself as a carpenter. If I was the right. foreman, I paid myself as a foreman. If I was the sales guy, I paid myself as a sales guy. I didn't go pay myself more. I paid myself what it would cost to replace me if I hired an employee for that position. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, then it's, then it's easy to know what that cost is. Right. And you're, you've already been paying that cost too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, just as any business owner, there's obviously perks, you know, right. vehicles paid for phones and gas and all sorts right, of stuff. Awesome, but, all those things. But yeah. generally, yeah. I think the smartest thing I did was I leveraged the, I leveraged building the company first, then taking from the company. And I have yeah. subcontractors now. I have, um, you know, even employees within my own company that we're trying to, to coach up to, you know, get out of that rut. Because once you're in that rut of, hey, I got so many bills. I have to keep doing what I'm doing. You don't have any leverage to make better decisions to move yourself forward. Right. Um, right. And so I think that was key, a key change, you know, having a, a team that I can depend on for, you know, any sort of questions I had as, as a business. Um, of course, it cost me money to hire, you know, my CPA, my attorney, but it's all scalable. You start small and you work your way up. You know, my attorney now is a much bigger and high, more, more high profile attorney than the one I had when I first started, right. but at least I had yeah. an attorney I can turn to, to help make sure I was protected to get paid and, you know, those sort of things. So. Well, I like what you said too, when you, when you said about going out to, to find those people, right? I mean, I see it so often from the insurance side, especially in the construction space where the mentality is as a contractor, I have to, I have to bid for my work. Therefore people that work for me should have to bid for, 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 you know, my, my work also, or, you know what I mean? For me to be their customer, they should have to, they should have to bid against me too. And, and the mentality is, is while I understand where they're coming from and I, and I think it, it's, it, it's hard to fight that mentality. There's also an aspect of, like you said, you know, advisors, trusted advisors and, and key people in your, in your corner that you can turn to and trust. So rather than, you know, Hey, who's the cheapest attorney I can go find? Like, let me, let me interview six attorneys and have them, you know, give me, give me bids for whoever's going to do, you know, give me the cheapest retainer and give me the most work or say for a CPA or even obviously the insurance too, right? I mean, shopping insurance is, is habit for most people, but if right. you find that person that you trust and, and I'm not out here saying that I'm overcharging all my clients, but at the end of the day, like they trust me to do my job and they trust me to answer those questions that they need. And at the end of the day, they know that I'm getting the best possible pricing for them. If they can trust all those things, then it really shouldn't matter if they can save three, five, seven percent somewhere well, else, right? Because there's a, there's a couple things to that, right? So, you know, one one is that you you can you you always get what you pay for. So if you yeah. if you pay cheap, you're going to get cheap no matter what. You can overpay for something. Don't get me wrong, 
but you yeah. always get what you pay for. So if you want something that's, um, if you want to, you know, invest and have something of somewhat of quality service, it's going to cost you some money to do, right? If you're marketing for a hundred dollars a month, you know, to some place that's going to put up a website for that amount, you're going to get a really crappy website. You know, right. if right. you're going to go pay, you know, an employee $15 an hour, uh, you're not going to get a great employee at that rate, right? You're going to, you're going to need to spend a little bit more money to get someone to do something to actually take something off your plate. And that's the idea, right? Is, is leverage. So, you know, having someone like, you know, like your team, it's an investment and, and us as contractors, traditionally you think of things like as a cost, right? Like my attorney costs money, my insurance guy costs me, my insurance costs me money. No, my insurance actually saves me money, right? So what if I had an employee right. get in a wreck? I, you know, now have it covered. They're going to take care of the legal fees, take care of the car, those sort of things, right? They're protecting my assets as I grow a business. I have something to protect. And so I need that insurance to cover that, right? And so, you know, having someone like you on your contractor's team, they should think about that as an investment that's like, hey, Mike, you know, we're growing. I have this need now, right? Like, hey, we just bought some extra equipment, what, what do I need to make sure that I have this covered in case it gets stolen? Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I have, you know, horror stories of people getting stuff stolen out of, you know, Home Depot parking lots out of their trucks or Cadillac converters going missing out of the driveways, you know, just all sorts of yeah. things that, yeah. you know, do you have inland marine coverage to cover that? Right. You know, another thing that, that, you know, as I've grown my company, I've always relied on my insurance agents to say, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm building the company. What do I need to cover now? You know, what do I need to do now that I have these sort of risks? You yeah, know, something that, thinking and yeah, something that we just added was, uh, cybersecurity. It wasn't Cyber, very expensive, yeah. but it definitely helped. And no one else was pitching me that pitching me on that. Right. right? It was definitely yep. something that, you know, we thought it was worth adding now that we're at the size of company we are. So. Yeah, no, for sure. And, I, and I, like I said, I mean, obviously, I love the mentality and hearing that that, that mentality exists uh, in, in that space. And I know it does. But, uh, you know, as many contractors I talk to, it's, it's very few and far between. And, and you like finding guys like you, for sure. So you guys have grown. And it sounds like, you know, over the last five, six years, um, you've kind of taken those steps. Where, where are you guys at now? What kind of work are you guys doing? What do you see you guys specializing in? And, and uh, what kind of work are you guys doing? So we do predominantly commercial work. So retail, restaurants, um, commercial spaces, you know, our projects range from food halls to, um, you know, we're doing, uh, some, uh, some work at a university in Azusa that, uh, is about 40,000 square feet offices, kind of mixed use. Um, we're doing a renovation on a, on a commercial strip center. So we used to do predominantly TIs, but like, as we build the company and as, you know, our capabilities expand and our value is becomes bigger we have to then find projects that match that level of um of service as well so that it's it's affordable you know where we do rfis and um you know value engineering and track our projects and have you know higher insurance and all that sort of stuff we provide more value than maybe what someone needs to do like a a bathroom remodel their house, right? So we don't really right. go into that. We we have a little bit more of a um, a higher service. So mostly it's all commercial work. You know things that you would see if you went to a strip center and and went to lunch. You know that's the type of stuff that we're doing. If 
you're in a professional office space, that's the type of stuff we do. Yeah. And I like what you said there too, about understanding your value, right? I mean, I think that that's, um, a lot of people don't, don't kind of in this industry, don't maybe put that together, right? Because there are guys out there that will take almost any job, not realizing that maybe the level that they're at and the things that they do on a job maybe makes them unprofitable on a job like that, or, you know, prices them out and now they're wasting time, you know, doing bids on these jobs where, you know, they need to be here to be profitable, but you know, maybe that's higher than it needs to be. So just kind of understanding where you fit in that, uh, in that class and, and, uh, you know, so that you can also be profitable and also win work as well. Yeah. Is, is I think important. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't be everything to everyone. Um, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it, your expertise, you know, how much, you know, value you want to provide, um, the level of like oversight you have on the project, the quality materials, all that stuff comes into play. Right. And so, you know, qualifying your clients prior to actually spending a lot of time on them is, is key. Um, but you know, having a niche and understanding the market you're in will, will save you a lot of heartache and headache. Cause it's normally you getting into a project that's not the right fit. That is the biggest struggle for any contract. Right. So, right. Yeah. Unforeseen hurdles and costs that, 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 that build up for sure. Well, clients have, you know, different expectations than, than what you want to provide. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, you can overreach and you can, and you can definitely go too small on stuff as well. Yeah. So how did you get into the, the commercial space that you guys are in? I mean, it's, I, I know that it's not as competitive as, you know, obviously like the small kitchen remodels and home rebuilding and all that kind of thing, but but to be kind of a leader in that space and, and to be thought of when somebody's looking for work like that takes some relationships and some of those kind of things. So where did, where did that process begin and how did that, that, uh, develop for you? Yeah. I mean, our business is, you know, for like two of the five years, I didn't even have a website up, right? Like that's how important marketing is for us. It's kind of yeah. funny that that's yeah. the case, but a lot of our stuff is all word of mouth and referrals. So we're getting referred from client to client, from business owner, business owner, or architects, you know, that just want to work with a quality contractor that's, you know, going to be on their team and, and help build out a project with, you know, with the, with a client's best interest in mind. Right. And so our business has always been referral based, but, um, I got into commercial because my dad did it, you know, he was doing drywall and framing and then, um, you know, while I was in high school, he became a superintendent at a, a general contracting company and then eventually went out on his own as just a small mom and pop contractor doing one store after another. Um, you know, and when I called him up senior year of college and said, Hey, you know, this, this college stuff, is not for me? You know, I'm ready to, to come to work for you. Um, that's what I did. I, I came home from Pullman back to Seattle at the time and, um, you know, started building subway stores and some other small restaurants and things that he had going on. And, um, you know, I've loved it since then, you know, I was able yeah. to, to dig ditches, you know, pour concrete, frame, drywall, paint, you know, any, anything you can see inside a space, you know, I did. So it helped me get a very good understanding of how, you know, the position I'm in, I was able to do the field. And then I had some construction management experience. And then I spent a lot of time doing business development, estimating and learning, you know, that side of things. So I was able to take the two sides together pretty well. Um, and I just kind of ran with it, man. Yeah. Do you guys still perform a lot of the work or do you more of a management aspect or how do you guys perform 
Yeah. So right now Panero Construction is more of a construction manager. So one of my, my personal mottos is to build something that's scalable and sustainable. And those two words came to me after I had to close down my first business because what I did was not scalable and was not sustainable, right? I had, I, we did most of the work in house. Um, I was paying myself too much, spending money left and right on things I didn't need. And neither of those were like scenarios for us to continue in business for a long time. Like I, you know, if the downturn didn't happen, we'd probably still be at some sort of smaller size business then, but going through that exercise, um, and having to close down and then rethinking like a strategy. When I started Panero Construction, we basically leveraged subcontractors. And so we basically share and spread the wealth, you know, with, with a whole group of people. So when I have to go get a new project or a new client that might have multiple projects, we're able to scale and take those on pretty quickly because we only need a really small amount of extra employees to do that. So for me to go do five more projects a year, it really only takes one superintendent to do that. And we leverage our relationships with subcontractors and, you know, internally what we've done is we've developed sort of systems in place that help the subcontractors be able to do the projects that we do. So, you know, we have, um, lien waivers and releases that are all docu-signs. We have pay applications that are all done through our system for them, you know, so they just have to sign the document every month and then we do ACH transfers for them. So there's a ton of stuff that we've kind of developed as a company, not only to provide value to the clients, but also to the subcontractors. And so now we just have to go hire subcontractors to do all these projects. So we can now take the same size staff that we have as Panero and be able to do eight to 10 projects at a time versus having to have, you know, 50 employees to do a few projects and not be able to, to expand as easily. Right. Right. Does that make sense? No, no, a hundred percent. And I think there's definitely two, two ways to do that. Right. And I, and I think they can both be successful if, if you, if you do them correctly, right. The one aspect obviously is what you are doing. Right. And, And then, you know, the flip side of that is, well, you can't control the labor, so you can't control the quality of labor. And, and it sounds like you guys have done some things to kind of help that process, right? By taking some of those things off the subcontractor's plate so they can focus on the quality work. And, and I'd have to imagine that your management oversight on the job is probably pretty pretty tight. So you guys are keeping control from a quality standpoint that way. Um, what, can maybe kind of speak to the, the the relationship a little bit, or 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 how that vetting process goes with with a subcontractor? Because I mean, ultimately they're representing you, right? I mean, and that's that's what some people would say to some hiring subcontractors is, I can't control them, I can't I can't control the work that they're doing. Yeah, it's it's you know I'm I'm not gonna lie, there's there, that's certainly a sentiment that I've thought about over time, right? Um, but I don't know if it's necessarily any harder to manage a subcontractor in quality work than it is to manage employees and the quality of work. hundred percent. And traditionally, if you can hire a smaller contractor, you're actually getting someone who's very highly qualified to do the work because that's traditionally what happens in construction is a, a tradesman that's really good ends up owning his own business. You know, and then the difference really is becoming that really good tradesman that has a business to actually becoming a business owner. And that's, you know, one thing that I've succeeded at. And one thing that I help coach 
contractors through is going from being that highly paid tradesman that's just sort of stuck in a in a high paid role in a company versus actually now building a company that could sustain without them, right? Right. Um, but you know, I, I think what it comes down to is mentality, right? So if you think it's hard to manage subcontractors, if you think it's easier to control quality with with employees, you're going to get that result. If you, you know, it's it's just however you feel, right? Um, we've sacrificed some margin to be able to spread that out with subcontractors, but we're going to be able to grow our our business and take right. on more work, right? And so, um, you know, I I just I would challenge anyone, you know, that's building their company if they want to, you know, have things a little bit, um. Well, let me just say this, like having, having thoughts that don't serve you, you know, is, is not, is not going to move you forward at all. Right. So, um, it's the same thing, like, you know, people saying, Hey, there's no employees out there that are worth hiring right now. Well, there's a lot of people worth hiring and there's a lot of people that are out there working. So why can't, why can't they come work for you? Right. And so, um, you know, I think some of those things are just sort of, of limiting beliefs, but, you know, going back to like qualifying. Self-fulfilling prophecies. Yeah. To a certain extent. Right. So if you just yeah. believe it's, you know, harder to grow with subs, then it's, you're going to have to do it with employees. Yeah. But when you have your employees and you're trying to do general construction, so that, that might be part of the difference, right? As a general contractor, we have like 16 trades that are going to be doing work on a site. Right. Um, and if I don't sub a lot of those out, I have to go find people who are good at all those trades, or I have to have enough work to have someone do nothing but drywall on all those projects. And so I've found that it's less common nowadays to have people maybe that are traditionally, um, jack of all trades, you know, um, versus sort of people who have specialized and just been trade in one trade. Well, that's, that's the flip side of it too, right? Is, is by, by being a company that, that is use utilizing subcontractors at that level, you don't have to worry about, you know, feeding 50 families, right? Cause ultimately, I mean, when you employ somebody, that's, that's your responsibility is to keep them busy, make sure they get a paycheck every week and, and that they can, you know, take, have something to take home to their families. So that, that's, you know, uh, 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 something that, you know, is taken off your plate and then easier to manage. So that, like, that's why I was going back to saying like, there's, you can be successful both if, if, you know, depending on what your mentality is, like you said, what yeah, like, your philosophy is. Well, one thing that we've done recently is we have developed like an in-house staff that does, you know, a particular trade, um, because that trade where there was enough of it to do, but that's not, yeah. that wasn't, um, you know, for any other particular reason to then to you know, for some convenience and to capture some more margin as a contractor. Um, but certainly the success we've had is because we've been able to scale and take on projects and the more projects we're able to take on, the more referrals we get, the more referrals we get, the more projects. And so it's like this compounding curve. And if we can keep up with that by scaling, only having to scale a smaller part, you know, by adding one or two employees versus you know, like on our projects, it would take six to 10 employees or your carpenters to do yeah, the work yeah. that we do in house. So that's a lot of, a lot of projects you'd have to do to keep those guys busy, you know, without, right. um, sort of leveraging subcontractors. 
Yeah. Well, and, and the overlapping too, right? Because it would take six to do one, but if you're doing trying to do eight or ten at a time, then you need six times eight or ten. You know what I mean? And that's that makes it even less scalable for sure. Yeah. There's some. So going back to the marketing piece, you mentioned that for the first couple of years you didn't have a website at all, and 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 I, I think. I think you're probably in the same boat, or I think a lot of contractors believe that, you know, the best business comes from word of mouth and maybe they don't need some of those things, but I'd be willing to bet that, especially in 2021 and going into 2022, even if you are referred and a lot of business does come by word of mouth, that one of the first things that those people are doing when they hear about you from somebody else is, you know, checking your website, Google searching and seeing what else is out there before they give you a call. I mean, do you, you think that that's kind of. Is that the mentality you guys have too, or is that the philosophy you understand? Yeah, well, yeah, of course. So you, you need to build a resume. So on the commercial side of things, on the commercial side of things, you're predominantly going to get business from, um, you know, business development sales, like going out and reaching out to people. Um, you're also going to get it through referrals and building relationships with other vendors, right? There's not as many people that are searching for restaurant contractors online as there are oh, for yeah. bathroom remodels, right? And it's just right, not, that's right. not predominantly how you find uh, maybe a contract in the commercial space. But yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I wasn't downplaying the value of it. I was just pointing out that, you know, as a contractor, we were still able to be successful without having that in place for a little bit. Yeah, but, no, for sure. Yeah, I don't think you're downplaying it at all. I think that, that it's extremely important. And, and if you do a little research on you guys. I mean, you're out there all over the place, right? And and that's the mentality, right? I think a lot of the guys in the con, especially in the commercial space, think, well, that's not where my business is coming from, right? Like, like you said, the bathroom remodel guy that that does, you know, all the homes in the neighborhood. Sure, those those people are finding him on Yelp and they're looking on Instagram and they're that's how they're literally contacting him and reaching right. out to that guy. But yeah, I I, I mean, I, I doubt a a property manager or a, or a business or a, you know, a property developer is Google searching you and then messaging you on Instagram to, to, you know, come bid a job form or something. Right. But at the end of the day, like you said, it's building a resume, an online resume, basically. Yeah. Um, our, our because when he does hear about you, he's going to look for you first. Yeah. Our marketing strategy with Panero now over the last two years, once I kind of got my act together was, was definitely to, to, to have a resume in place. So if they looked us up after they heard about us, after they got a referral that they, what they found legitimized what the referral said, right? Exactly. So on the yeah. commercial side of things, that's super important. And for a while I didn't do it, you know, I was just, you know, just like any other business owner that, you know, I was, I was doing well, so I wasn't too worried about it. Right. But right. there's right. a certain point where that does mat, you know, you do max out on your growth for whatever reason. Um, you know, word of mouth referrals are, are, are going to be the easiest projects to land, you know, and sell in the future. But if you want true growth, especially if you're, you know, in the home improvement business, um, it's, it's going to require a lot of marketing and advertising. And that's what you're seeing from these larger companies that are out there. Um, that's what they're doing. They're putting a large portion of, of their budget towards that. Um, the margins are a little bit different. They, um, could absorb that. But it's key to to grow as a business to continue marketing. Um, you know, one of the the key things that I've been recommending people do is like how to videos. So I think those are huge right now on YouTube. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because contractors are on Instagram and a lot of them follow us, and I follow some other you know contractors and you know we're in the industry and 
I'm part of top contractor school. And so we see a lot of those guys, but you know, contractors are following each other, but that doesn't result in more business, right? Sometimes there's some referrals there, but you know, contractors will post things that they think are cool. They think tools are cool. They think their truck's cool. They think the wrap on their new truck is cool, but none of that stuff is what clients care about, right? Those right. are just things that right. other contractors like, and then they get some, <laughs> you know, so I would, I would, you know, recommend that the contractors, you know, that are listening are going out and thinking about what their customer wants, right? Like who is their real customer? Is it the man of the house? Does he really care about your tools or your truck? Or is it the woman who wants to make sure that, you know, the people who are coming in their, you know, her house are safe, are, you know, clean, you know, um, yeah. those sort of things. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, yeah mar marketing is huge. Understanding your, your clients, your target market and providing them what they're looking for. So, um, yeah, we've stepped it up big time. Um, I'm working on some training videos, some how to's, some stuff just in the commercial space and seeing how that's going to go. But, um, I need to be more active as well, you know, getting out there on LinkedIn Is and that, stuff like that. Yeah. Are they things, are these things that these ideas and these, you know, kind of processes that you're looking at getting into, are they things that you guys have come up with and on your own, or is there somebody you're working with from a, from an outside standpoint, that's kind of helping you guys with those things? Um, so, so to, to find someone who's going to help direct, you know, provide you those, that those ideas are traditionally going to be more expensive of a service because they're, they're at a higher level. Right. So what we've started out doing, cause we have a lot smaller marketing budget than, than most companies being in commercial space. Um, we've developed our own, um, I don't know, I guess you can say content, right? And so we put, a, right. we put it on a marketing calendar and that marketing calendar has content that we're going to produce based on things that our customers have asked us about um, and also what I think our customers would be interested about, right? They don't care, right. you know, the things that we do as a business, you know, how many employees we have, you know, you know what brand of trucks we have, um, you know, where our office is at. They don't care about any of that stuff. Um, you know, they want to know like, you know, how to declog a drain or, you know, right. why is that outlet not working? You know, if it's how you're going to solve their problem. Yeah. How yeah. you're going to solve their problem. So we're going to do some how to's on that. Um, you know, I get a lot of questions about like LOIs and, and leasing spaces and there's a disconnect because you have real estate agents who just want to go help lease spaces. And then you have a client that needs certain requirements of the space. And so we're able to help, you know, not negotiate, but we help provide insights of how to determine what size electrical we need, what size water we need for a space, just things like that, that would help a business owner go and lease a space, you know? So those are the types of things yeah. that we're looking at providing as a company, just with our experience. Um, you know, it really has nothing to do with how long we've been in business, how much money we make or any of that sort of stuff. No, and I think that's smart, right? I mean, you're kind of, kind of marketing yourself as a, as kind of full service, right? Like you, you're not just the guys coming out there building it per spec, you know, reading off the sheet and doing what they say, like you've, you've got insight and you've got, um, experience and you can kind of help kind of round out the entire project. Yeah. I mean, like, just for example, like someone like you can get on and just talk about different types of insurances, you know, um, little posts online and. And those yeah. are going to help people out because, you know, part of, part of like being able to grow as a person or as a company is, is 
knowing that you don't know everything and that you're going to, you need to be looking for people who are going to, to enlighten you and, and, you know, some, a lot of people might not know what to ask you as, you know, for insurance. They just think yeah. that they need the bare minimum insurance. And so if you are out there coaching them through what to provide or how the process works, um, those are all things that I think are great, uh, pieces to market and, yeah. and to provide and content, content about for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, uh, what's the future look like for you guys? Where, where do you see yourself headed? I mean, it, it seems, seems like you guys have done pretty, pretty good growth in the last five or six years. Is there, and, and I know that you're not the guy that's going to sit around and be comfortable from this conversation that we've had, but what is, what does the future look like for you guys? So I put in, I put in place a plan two years ago. Um, we adopted a, uh, contractor operating system. Um, through TCS, uh, one of the coaching programs I'm through, uh, I'm a member of, um, we, we are operating our, our company. And part of that is to have a vision for the company. And I think that that is something that helps the company, um, become established and spread through, you know, to give purpose to everyone who's, who's in the company. So we have a goal to get to a hundred million dollars, uh, in revenue a year for our company. Um, and that kind of sounds audacious to, to just say it out loud, but really what the, <laughs> really what that hundred million dollar means for us is that we're going to have created a sustainable and scalable company if we can get there. Right. And so we're going to have employees who are able to have opportunity to grow within a company. We're going to have, um, employees be able to purchase houses. We're gonna have employees be able to, you know, have insurance, um, we're going to be able to, you know, provide trainings to people who wouldn't have it. Otherwise we'd going to be able to, um, you know, be part of, of building a lot of other, like our clients' businesses and all the, yeah. all the communities that they're going to do, we're going to be able to give back to the community. So the more successful we are, the, the more we can do with that. Right. So, yeah. you know, that's, I, I almost feel it's, it's a burden that we have to take on and carry to become as successful as we can come. So become so that we, um, you know, can give back and be a force for good. I love that mentality. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Kind of creating that legacy too, right? The sustainable or that, that legacy that is sustainable, um, yeah, for the future. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what that looks like in, in, in eight years, but our 10 year plans get to a hundred million. Um, you know, one of my goals is, is possibly trying to become a, like an employee owned company. Um, I don't know if that's, that's feasible or not. Um, we'll see how it gets there, but I definitely want to have a lot of my key players, um, you know, involved in that process, you know, have them part of building it. Um, you know, I, I don't think that everyone in the construction industry has to become a contractor or an owner of a company, right? I think there's a lot of benefits in, in being in another company or on a team if that owner can provide, um, you know, a, a, um, a situation where a lot of people can prosper. Um, you know, they, the, the saying goes like, um, you know, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go together. Um, and after, you know, when I was in my twenties, I tried to build it myself. And so, you know, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not building much here at all. You know, this is my team that's doing it all. I'm just sort of orchestrating it and, gu- and guiding us down the path, right? I'm taking the first step and telling everyone else, let's go. So, yeah. you know, if, if you can adopt, adopt that mentality, understand the importance of your employees, um, you know, if you're willing to, you know, get out there and um, build your team of advisors, you know, to, to tell you the truth, 
you know, be hard on you, you know, right. those sort of things. Yeah. And which then takes a little bit of putting your ego in your pocket. And yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like, what's the purpose of just having a business just to make more money? Like that's at right. the end of the day, that's if you're chasing money, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, well, if you're chasing a selfish mentality, right? Yeah. yeah. If you're chasing a, um, you know, if you're chasing, you know, a purpose, you know, your burn, um, you know, some sort of mission, then you can get people to rally behind that. Um, you know, and if you have a vision that's large enough for everyone else's visions to fit within, then, you know, you've created a, a pretty good scenario for everyone to grow. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So give me, give people where, get, let them know where to find you. How do, how do, how do people get a hold of you? How do they look you up? How do they, how do they find what you guys are doing next? Yeah. Right on. So, so personally, uh, everything's just at Sonny Panero. So Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, they can find me at, uh, Panero construction as well. That's our, uh, commercial contracting company. And then, um, you know, if, if, uh, anyone's looking to, to, you know, to become a better contractor and, and get some content there, I'm also part of the top contractor school. So, um, that's at topcontractorschool.com, And then also, um, you know, Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. But I appreciate it, man. Well, that's usually where I end it, but I, I kind of want to hear a little bit about that top contractor school. Are you allowed yeah, to talk about yeah, that? So a little bit? Some of you guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've never, I haven't, I haven't heard of that. Is it who, who came up with that? It, where, where's, what do you guys do there? Yeah. So, so my partner, uh, Brian has founded and, and he's the CEO of top contractor school. He started about three years ago. He owns, um, a paving company that does stuff nationally. And so he had some contractors that he was trying to kind of coach up and build a network of. So he created a community of contractors and it originally started out as like paving and concrete. Um, and then last year, um, you know, my interest has always becoming, you know, has always been to eventually get into coaching and, and helping out other contractors, you know, based on the experience. And, and unfortunately I have a lot of experience, uh, you know, <laughs> things that I've learned from, um, you know, and I want people to get there faster and, and get there smoother than, than, you know, all the steps that I had to go through. So, so what top contractor school is, it's a, it's a community of, of contractors. There's, um, we have two levels of it. One is just a, a, a baseline community where you have access to trainings, to webinars. Uh, um, you get access to a private Facebook group where people are asking questions, you know, within the construction industry. It's basically surrounding yourself with other contractors who want to grow and, you know, the, the industry could be very, very lonely, especially if you're at the top. I mean, you might have a couple of the contractor buddies, but mostly what you're doing with those contractor buddies is like going out to like Havasu or you're going out right. to the desert with them. Right. right. Um, you know, this is, this is a community of contractors that are trying to learn how to be better business owners and grow. And then we have a second level called the inner circle where we have private groups of 10 to 15 members that there's a top contractor school coach that, that leads that group and they meet monthly and we work on, we have, we have a speaker that comes in and speaks. Um, we do updates, you know, however, how everyone's doing with health, business, finance, and, and personal. Um, and then we also do issue processing. So let's say that you're working on an issue with, a with an employee or you have a problem with a client, like you can present that to the group and then we share experiences through that to help you through that. So it's basically a, a contractor peer advisory group. Um, yeah. that's what, you know, what I'm saying that helped me, the difference between the first go around and the second go around is I'm going out purposely trying to find other people to learn from and have people in right. my corner right. that I can, I can lean on and I can also help them. 
And like, that's a huge relationship. And so the top contractor school just basically helps us have a, uh, a coordinated or, or organized way of doing it because it's difficult right. going out in there just, you know, Hey, let's, let's meet, you know, let's have 10 contractors meet for coffee. Like it's the likelihood of that happening is going to be minimal, but if you kind of right. join top contractor school and I'm, I didn't mean to pitch it. I just, you know, it's, no, it's, it's great. Huge, I mean, yeah, it's a yeah. huge opportunity for contractors to get out there. Um, that aren't exposed to, you know, personal development, you know, business growth, right. things like that. You know, a lot of us in the construction industry were tradesmen. We were really good at it. And then we owned a business, right? you know, and then we're kind of stuck in that business, you know? So, um, well, it's kind of like joining a, like, a like an association group. Right. But I, I mean, those are obviously pretty specific around, you know, the, the trade and, and a lot of them too. And I don't know what you guys do, but they, they bring in a lot of, a lot of outside people. Right. And, and, and it's really more about the trade than it is, you know, developing your business specifically and being there to, um, assist in, in, like you said, some of those situations. So, uh, no, I think it's, I think it's awesome. How often are you guys doing anything like meetups or, or like actually in person or is a lot of it online right now obviously because of what's going on or yeah so the program's nationwide right now so everything that we do is an online group and then we get together um two times a year as as a group um, we actually have an event coming up in january which is going to be pretty cool um that one has some speakers in the industry coming in high performance speakers we'll have some coaches there um yeah i think the difference between maybe industry specific is that like a lot of the stuff we talk about is not about construction. It's not about right. tools. It's not about hammers. It's not about like, you know, where to buy material. It's, it's not about that stuff. It's, it's about how to become a better leader, how to become a better business person. Um, you know, and, and it's a, it's a, just a great place to talk. And the, the conversations we have are so high level that it's, you know, nothing that you're going to get just, you know, randomly throughout the week or right. the month. And, and you can, you know, the key is to be vulnerable about having issues because even if it actually, that goes with any sort of conversation. If, if, if you yep. have contractors or, or other business owners that, that you are uh, associated with or friends with, reach out to them, you know, get vulnerable, see what you're, you know, if you have something that you need to work on, because even if they don't know, they can just bounce ideas off of each other. Right. And so I think that's the key to the key to it is is actually taking that step. We've just done it in sort of a coordinated way to, to, you know, have it sort of, um, organized. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. I'll definitely, uh, definitely be taking a look at that for sure. Well, I'd love and to if, have uh, you on to do some training. I was going to say, yeah, if you need anything, I'm happy to help. Yeah, for sure. So we're building sure. out, uh, you know, we've been, we're pushing a little bit more. We want to continue building the, the, want to continue building the community. Um, so we have some, some cool stuff in place for this next year. Uh, but you know, we need people like you to be involved with, with helping coach on insurance and, you know, being a service provider as well. So looking forward to that. Yeah, anything I can do, man. I'm happy to help. Appreciate it, brother. Well, Sonny, it's been awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time with me. Thank you, dude. And, uh, yeah, anything you need, make sure you reach out and, uh, we'll be following along and hopefully, uh, hopefully they just celebrate with you when you hit that hundred million dollar mark for sure. Sweet. Let's do it. Thanks, Mike. Bye, right, brother. Have a good one. Stay safe. Hey, thanks for listening. If you had a good time, be sure to hit that subscribe button to get all the latest episodes. And if you had a really good time, leave a review to let us know what you thought. 
Until then, go gather some crazy stories on your job sites, and we'll see you next time on So, You Want to Be a Contractor.